0: Hey, Randy. I'm super excited. This week, we have the most famous product person joining us on the pod. Can you guess who it is?
1: Ooh, this is a trick, isn't it, Lily? I'm always on the podcast.
0: No, Randy, not you. It's only Marty (laughs) Kagan, founder of Silicon Valley Product Group and author of Inspired and Empowered.
1: It's amazing. We got to chat about... strategy and vision and ethics and ways of working, which was quite a lot. So we decided to split it into two whole
0: episodes. So sit back, relax, chill, get yourself a drink, and listen to the wise old words of one of the most experienced and passionate product teachers in the world. In the world. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product, Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover more.
1: Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium content, discounts to our conferences around the world, and training opportunities. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities. There's probably one near you. Marty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Well, thanks for inviting me. For the two people listening who don't already know who you are, do you mind giving us the two-minute introduction? Sure. Well, um, the name is Marty
2: Kagan, and I am the founder of the Silicon Valley Product Group. Um, I've been doing that for quite a few years now, but my the first half of my career was working in product, started as an engineer, and then I learned product management, and then I learned product leadership, and I've been doing that for for several companies and I've written a couple books, one called Inspired, which is for product teams, one called Empowered, which is for product leaders. And I basically just, uh, most of my job is advising startups and growth stage companies, my partners. I have five partners. They mostly focus on helping existing companies transform. And so between us, we meet with a lot of companies, some great companies just trying to get better, some companies that are brand new to technology and needing a lot of help
1: So, and everything in between. So I was lucky enough to spend a few days with you uh, earlier this year and uh, your partners and a whole bunch of other really smart people. And there's something you said during that time that really resonated and I think would benefit a lot of other people and I wanted to dig into it a little bit further. It was about vision and strategy and who's actually responsible for them. So why don't we start at the beginning? Who actually is responsible?
2: <laughs> I'm trying to remember the exact context <laughs> we had, but it is, you know, first of all, this the whole topic of product is quite the mess out there. And I think the reason it's such a mess is because when we say product, there's many different contexts we could be talking about. We could be talking about delivery teams like exist in environments that run processes like safe. We could be um, talking about feature teams, which is the most common that I see out there uh, and we could or we could be talking about what we call empowered product teams, which is what we see in the best product companies. And those are all very different. And the job of a product manager, completely different, doesn't really exist in the first one by any meaningful sense. But even in the second one on feature team, they're much more of a project manager than than what we would call a product manager. So there's so much confusion and noise out there around what are we even talking about? And one of the ways that shows up is this conversation about vision and strategy, because A lot of agile coaches that don't know anything about product will teach, you know, novice product people. They'll say, oh, you're a product manager or you're what they really say is you're a product owner. You're also responsible for product vision, product strategy, which, of course, is just nonsense. But they don't know any better. So they tell people this. But, you know, the basic point is if you've got 20 product teams all working towards something significant, a marketplace, an e-commerce company, a device, do you really want all 20 of them creating their own product visions? (laughs) Do you really want all 20 of them creating their own product strategies? Talk about a mess. And it's just nonsense. It's just that obviously the people hadn't thought through it more than five seconds. So anyway, one of the big confusions out there is this idea that every product manager does product vision and product strategy. And what I think is funny is that I I mean I'm criticized actually quite a bit but one of the things I'm criticized for is they say oh you put so much work on a product manager. Just to be clear, I don't put product strategy and product vision on a product manager. So what product so product vision is responsibility of the product leader. Chief product officer, VP product, director product management, whatever, you know the suitable title is there. And product strategy is how they're delivering on that vision. Again, you have to be looking holistically across the teams for that. And then, of course, a, a good product strategy, the main purpose is to identify the most important problems that need to be solved. Once you assign those problems to a product team, that's when the product teams get to work. And that's product discovery. And they, once they've figured out something to build, that's then they put it on the backlog, and that's product delivery. <laughs> so – Product vision, product strategy, super important. Some two of my favorite topics, but they're not product management topics. They're product leadership topics.
0: Okay, so there's so much to talk about just in in what you've just said. But I'm going to start with um, what if you're in one of those companies where you're basically missing. that product vision and that product strategy, which I I hear of a lot, um, people saying, you know, p- the business talks about the business strategy and the business goals, and uh, but but how do I distill that down for my own product and my own product team if I don't have anyone else setting that from a product leadership point of view?
2: Right. Well, this is where it's really important to realize because you just described a classic feature team company in a fe- and it's by the way it's not. This is just a reality. It's not a judgment. If a company is set up where the stakeholders are really driving what gets done, they usually are driving these roadmaps and they're giving these, you know, they're working with the product team, the feature teams on those roadmaps to say, you know, when can we get these features? There is no product vision. There is no product strategy. And that's not like it's missing. It's not needed in that model. They are, the the feature teams are literally there to serve the business. So you get a lot of, you got a lot of quote product managers. I'm really talking about a feature team where they're not really product managers, but they're like, where's our vision? Where's our strategy? You don't need one. You're there to serve the business. If you're an empowered product team working where you're given problems to solve, that's very different. Now you do need a vision and a strategy. So Most of the confusions out there stem from not understanding the kind of product team you're on and really what your responsibilities are on that team. And this is just one of many symptoms.
0: Do you think it's as black and white as that? Like you're either one or the other, or do you think there are teams? Because I definitely no, there, there's a third. yeah, that's like definitely people <laughs> who are trying to move more to the empowered. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, and there are some things you can do for sure, but um, you know, it is pretty clear. You're either given features to build, or you're given problems to solve. That's pretty binary. And it's not hard to see the difference. And, of course, if you're given a problem, if you're given a feature to build, projects to build on a roadmap, then your job is really to do a little design and code and deliver. That's basically your job. On the other hand, if you're given problems to solve, you have a much different job. You have to figure out what to build. (laughs) You have to figure out a solution that works. So those are very different assignments, You know, it's not, nothing in in our industry is truly black and white. There's all kinds of, uh, you know, variations we can talk about. The third major variation is even worse than a feature team. That is, literally, there's a backlog administrator, product owner, and a bunch of developers. A lot of times those developers don't even work for the company. Those are Those we call delivery teams. A lot of people will just call them a scrum team or, you know, they are just there to code. There's no pretense about product management or product design or anything like that. So it's not just the two, but I think the essence of your question is, you know, is there there a spectrum there really? And, you know, it's not that hard to see the difference. It only takes a few minutes to identify what's going on, a few questions, Usually uh, my favorite is to talk to one of the engineers. You can tell very quickly with the engineers if this is a feature team or a product team. And don't get me wrong, there's thousands and thousands of companies that want to be feature teams. And there are thousands and thousands of product coaches that want to help them be feature teams. So when I meet a company that wants to be a feature team, then I just introduce them to one of those people. But because, um, you know, there's books, there's everything, training classes, all kinds of things. That's the way a lot of the world works. It's just, to me, it's not interesting to me. That's not how the best companies work. That's not where really almost any of the innovation out there comes from. So I, I don't find it interesting.
0: Okay. So let's concentrate on the best companies and the best way to do it, which is the empowered product teams. because they're the ones we love and the ones that we (laughs) really want to kind of aspire to be if we're not already, or, you know, be proud of being if we are. So who and how is that vision and strategy set in those empowered product teams? You mentioned that it was the product leader. Um, But if you're in a really big product org, there's like many product leaders.
2: Well, let's talk about a real example so just because of your very charming accent i keep thinking of england right now and um trainline company you probably know of trainline you probably use probably have the app on your phone ID? trainline <laughs> trainline uh, just a few years ago was classic it they had no technology to speak of and the a private investment firm a private equity firm i'm tr- trying to remember which one it was but they they saw this train line company and said, this is ridiculous. They should be a tech company. Uh, and so they bought them. And in a few short years, they turned it into one of the best product organizations, in my opinion, in the world. And they brought in a woman named Claire from eBay to be their new CEO. First thing Claire did is brought in a proven product leader uh, named Jonathan Moore, who, by the way, I think might be a neighbor of yours, uh, Lily. But um, Jonathan is uh, was – he had led the, the real innovations going on at the Guardian, and i have known him for a long time. Anyway, he took over, and the first thing he did was set up real empowered product teams. And they got to work reinventing, reimagining the travel experience for riding the rail, first in the UK and later across Europe. And that is, uh, you know, anybody who was using the old and then went to the new, they could see the difference. They could see what happens, and in truth, you know, they started. It was pretty small because there was almost no tech there. Um, but by the end, it was a pretty substantial organization. So, even in a large organization, there's typically a single head of product, and they might have many directors under them, many lead managers under them. Which is, you know, the larger you get, the the more that's true. But In in typically every business unit, if not the whole company, there is a head of product. In this case of Trainline, it was Jonathan. And, um, you know, just like there's a head of technology, chief product officer, chief technology officer, and those two really pair up to do these
1: things, to turn places around. So you talked about vision, which I totally see being something that you only have one of for a company. And strategy at a high level, you'll have one, but as you go down the organization, get closer to the coalface, there will be more specific things and ways of doing it. So how do you handle that? What is... Not not usually, by the way. Not usually.
2: Um, First of all, I should clarify, some companies are so huge, you know, think Google, think Amazon, that, that each business unit, each division would have its own vision and strategy. But a product strategy is literally meant to, uh, I mean, it's a product strategy. Let's let's be clear on what we mean by these yeah. things. First of all, vision is describing your destination, right? And it's all about how are you going to make your customers' lives better. Literally, how are you going to help them make their lives better? So vision is that North Star, we often say, because it's, again, by definition, meant to be uh, so that it brings all of the product teams towards the same destination. It's typically five to 10 years out. So it's a, you know, it's not something you're going to deliver tomorrow. So the product vision needs to be inspiring. It needs to be emotional. It needs to be like, yes, this is going to make people's lives better. And I really want to work on this for the next several years. So product vision is a unique animal. I don't know anything else in the product world that's emotional like that, that's trying to be that compelling and persuasive. On the other hand, product strategy is very different like brass tacks. Product strategy is like, okay, that sounds awesome. How in the world are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? We we need to decide. We need to pick our battles. That's called focus. We need to leverage insights. That's data. That's uh, learnings from talking to our users and customers. That's um, new technology trends. That's uh, changes in the industry. So competitive landscape, we need to decide what are the insights we're going to really make bets on. And then we need to turn those insights into something we can monetize, something we can build. And those are the problems to solve. And those are what we give to the teams. If we've got 50 product teams, you know, we're going to make sure. It doesn't mean we have 50 problems. Very often, if we've got 50 product teams, they might be given... 15 problems where much of the time multiple teams are actually given the same problem, either to work collaboratively on or to work in parallel on, because you're really making a big bet. So it's not like a product hmm. strategy cascades. Now, the other thing I should really say, because this really messes up so many people, I'm talking about product strategy. I'm not talking about business right. strategy. I'm not talking about go to market strategy. I'm not talking about discovery strategy. Uh, you know, I,
1: I'm i talking about product strategy. There's lots of other kinds of strategy in the world. So let's be really clear. What is this fundamental difference between uh, – I think most of those are clear, but what's the fundamental difference between a product strategy and a business strategy? I think that trips a lot of people up.
2: Yeah, I think it does too. So business strategy, these are – first of all, one obvious difference is who is responsible for what. Business strategy is typically a C-suite decision. So, for example, a few years ago, Netflix made a big business strategy decision to get into the content creation side of the business. Because if you remember, from for their first life, they were content distribution side of the business, not content creation. And that's a big business strategy decision. And they ended up because... And there's a whole good reasons behind it, but that's not your question. So they the board decided, the C-suite decided... We're going to get into content creation, not just content distribution. The product organization had to get to work because now is a very different assignment to try to make that a reality. So business strategy is done at the top level. It's usually things like how are we going to make money. One of the most common examples is go to market. So they'll decide, you know, yes, okay, let's say you're at Atlassian company, another great company. They started with a business strategy of selling direct to teams, just direct to us, all of us. You know, there's direct to engineers, direct to designers. And more recently, they decided to expand their go-to-market to have a direct sales force. That's a business strategy decision. And you can bet that has product strategy and product vision implications because it's a different you need different things if you're selling through an enterprise sales force you need to make sure you're not losing money on every sale for example because it's a it's a different model so the business strategy done by the senior level and then the product strategy comes from the product leaders how are we going to do this that's product strategy
0: how often would you expect to revisit your product strategy?
2: So product vision, just to be clear, that's like once every five years. Um, mm. And they, those are, when they're done well, they they keep, in, I, I, Tesla's was 10 years. They're on their second 10 year product vision. Product strategy is a living thing. Uh, so that is literally by the leaders updated constantly. Now, normally, with at least with the companies I advise, we are explicitly revisiting it every quarter. Um, So no less than every quarter, but in truth, uh, here's what's going on. We've talked about the leaders, but when you look at the teams, the teams are working on problems every day, every week. And, you know, mostly they're in product discovery, they're learning, they're trying out ideas, usually with a prototype, usually with customers, and they're finding what works and what doesn't. Most of the time, they find out their prototype's not very good (laughs) and they just need to iterate. That's like the most common learning. But, you know, we don't advertise that. We just keep iterating. But once in a while, the team actually learns not just that they need to do something, but they get a real insight. They realize, oh, we finally figured out why people are not responding to this or why this doesn't solve their problem. Now, that's an insight. That's a big deal. The teams are coached and trained so that when they run into these occasional insights, and it could come from talking to users, it could come from the data, it could come from the technology, it can come from lots of places. But they're coached that when they find this, they share it with their manager. And the reason they do that is because there are really two reasons. Number one, the, the manager might know of another team that's struggling with the same thing, right? So they, they, they are there as a leader, as a manager, to connect the dots. But more to the point, they share it because that insight might actually be important enough to be a key driver in the next iteration of the product strategy. So a real example um, is a company that experiments with a new mobile app, and they find that some things work remarkably better with the mobile app. This is not unusual. It's why people do native apps. And you find that out, and you realize, Wow, we've just barely done touch. We barely put our toe in the water about what we could do with mobile. So maybe we're going to update our product strategy to really double down on our bet on mobile. Why did you do that? Because of what you learned in this prior quarter. So, a product strategy is still going to take us in the direction of the vision. But now, hopefully, we're doing this based on the very latest learnings.
1: I've never met a product manager who didn't have a bit of a perception problem in that they spend all day working on one particular aspect of the business, and they believe it's the most important thing to everyone because it's the most important thing to them. So you talked uh, about the product leader setting the strategy and the vision. You just talked about sometimes the product manager, the individual product manager and team finding something else out. How do you balance at that lower level? Uh, to be having some responsibility for strategy and, and 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 tactics, and then going up the ladder with that. Well, don't be clear on what I said was they
2: find that their coach, so that if they run into an insight, discover an insight in the course of their work, no matter what that insight is, your obligation is to let you you know move that up the chain so people can. Take advantage of that if it makes sense. Now your lead, the product leader is making the judgment call. Is that what they're going to bet on next quarter or something else? But that's the difference between the leader's responsibility and the product team's product manager's responsibility. Now you're sort of getting on another topic, which is the premise of an empowered product team is you want to push decisions down to the teams because they're the ones in the best position to make the best call. Now, That's because they're working with the technology every single day and because they're talking with customers every single week. So who better to make the decisions? That sounds wonderful, but there's a catch. The catch is the leaders need to share the context. Otherwise, how can the teams make the decisions? So if the team doesn't understand the product vision, how are they going to know what to do? If the team doesn't understand the product strategy, how are they going to know if the team doesn't know what the other teams are in the team topology, how are they going to know? So they need to be able to make good choices. And in order to make good choices, good decisions, they need that strategic context. And that's why one of the major things that managers do to coach their product managers and their product teams is share that context, share that context. So it's not really about your thing being more important than anybody else's. The, the only reason we don't have product teams if they're not necessary <laughs> and no one team is able to do everything they need to do. Otherwise, it would just be one team. So you've got 25 teams. We're all doing a piece. The way we know this is working well is if every member, especially every engineer on every product team knows how their work contributes to the larger whole. They can see, they can connect the dots between what they're building every day and the vision they're trying to achieve. If they can't, that's a real problem. That says they don't have the context. It also says they're probably mercenaries and not missionaries, right? They're just probably saying, just uh, just tell me what to build, I'll build it. And that's never what we want. That's not where great solutions come from.
0: So what about other parts of the business? You talked earlier about discovery strategy um, and... There's also things like data strategy or tech strategy. How do all of these different strategies come together in in an ideal world? Or how have you seen this work really nicely so that everyone in the business and the organization is really clear on how all of the different disciplines are working towards the, the vision?
2: Sure. Well, it's really important to distinguish between... Uh... Two kinds of people in the company. <laughs> they're all, everybody's wonderful, but there are those that are members of the product team. And then there are those that are stakeholders in the company that have impact on the product team, but they're not on the product team. So the most of what you mentioned was actually on the product team. So for example, product team, product management, product design, engineering, supported by user research, data analysts, sometimes data scientists, uh, to help us do our work. The user researchers help us make good decisions qualitatively. The data analysts make help us make good decisions quantitatively. But that's those are first-class members of the product team. That's what they do. They're a, product, a product team, also known as a squad, is a cross-functional group. So that's critical. Now, There's more people in the company than just product design and engineering, right? We have sales and marketing and customer success and manufacturing and finance and privacy and all these different people. Are they on the product team? No, they're not on the product team. That would be, first of all, they have their own jobs to do. (laughs) Imagine how many people would have to be hired to be a member of those teams, but also... The purpose of, you know what the designers do and you know what the engineers do. The purpose of the product manager is to understand the constraints of those different parts of the business and represent them on the team. That's, if, if the product manager can't do that, what are they there for? <laughs> so you don't need one. So that's really important to understand. So the product manager is, un, that's why it's on the product manager as part of their onboarding to learn these different parts of the business and learn what they're concerned about. Like what is the lawyer most, you know, what is that lawyer nervous about? What are the things I need to understand as a product manager? That doesn't mean you need to be a lawyer or you need to be a marketing expert or you need to be a sales expert. You do need to understand enough of what their job is to be able to say, Like, okay, I need to show this. We're working on something that the lawyer is going to care about. So I'm going to bring a prototype to the lawyer tomorrow, and I'm going to ask for 10 minutes, and I'm going to show it to the lawyer and make sure that what we're about to build is going to be okay. That's really the obligation of a product manager. And if you don't have somebody like that on a team, then you're back to design by committee. These are those feature team companies where they get all the stakeholders together in a room and they fight it out and you end up with some worse than mediocre solution
1: because it's the only thing they could all agree on in the room. So if you don't start off in a company that's empowered, how do you start to get good at this? How do you build up the reps and build up the skills so that you can hopefully either transform the company or get a job at, at a better company? Yeah, Well,
2: the design and the engineering roles are not all that different. They're more like let loose kind of thing. Product role is very different. So I I tell people if they're at a feature team company, if they're at a delivery team company, I try to be honest with them. It's unlikely they'll be able to do any kind of product work there. They probably need to go work on finding a company that knows better. But with feature team, that's not really the case. A lot of feature team companies not only want to change, but they're in the process of changing. They're trying to change. So that, I, I think it's worth giving it a real try in that situation. So what I encourage the person to do is go to your manager and say, hey, well, I, well, I would love to try to work this way. I'd love to learn what I need to do and give this a shot. What do you think about letting our team do this as an experiment for a few months, let us run this way. If it works well, great. Sort of we're starting a transformation. If it doesn't work well, we could either iterate or maybe it's not for us. But most companies will say, absolutely, that's a low risk way of trying things out, learning what we don't know. So I will tell you, most of the time, the management is like, go for it. The problem, though, is that the product manager, in particular, if if they, you know, it's one of those. Be careful what you wish for, because now you got to step up. And a lot of product, you you know this. A lot of product managers, when they figure out what the job really is on an empowered product team, they're like, "Oh my god, that's like so different than anything I've ever done, and I don't even know if I want to do that." So well, let's
1: be let's let's be brutally clear about what the difference is. So w- when you meet people what is the difference you see between someone who is good and you rate and someone that is just going through the motions? Well,
2: it's, I mean, that going through the motions is an issue in any role, in any style. There's people that are just basically there just for a paycheck. And I blame their managers for that. They're not inspired. They're not motivated. The real issue is somebody who's say been grew up in a company that was feature teams. They've been used to being handed roadmaps and they're being used to playing that cat herder role that so many people call uh I actually saw something from Jana Barstow. you know Jana um Jana Basto, uh, yeah. Basto, yes. Uh, I I really like her. I think she's terrific and she was on Twitter and she was explaining um yeah, it's like, you know, the you're a product manager. She didn't say this but in my, I, I will say she was describing a feature team. You know, you're and and you're you're there. You fill in the gaps constantly, and pretty soon you're working like crazy because there's all these holes, and you're doing whatever you need to do to help. And that is what you have to do on a feature team. That's basically like a very motivated project manager. But that's not a product manager on a product on an empowered product team. That's a very different job. But I have a lot of sympathy for those people on a feature team and how they can get crushed with all these different people asking for all these different things. And once you've done it once, once you've filled in and done it once, then everybody just assumes you're just going to do that going forward. And so a lot of these feature team project managers, are are they get crushed in all of this obligations. So if you're going to try to be a product manager on an empowered team, it's very different job. So we start by, you know, first principles. What is your responsibility? First of all, you're responsible for being an expert on your users and customers. You're responsible for being an expert on the data that those users generate. Uh, You're responsible for understanding each of your stakeholders and what their constraints are and building the trust so that they know that you will make sure you're considering their needs before you have your team build anything. And then... You're expected to be on top of the industry trends and competitive landscapes so you know the environment your product will need to run in. That's what you bring to the team. Uh, That's different from what a designer brings to the team. That's definitely different from what the engineers bring to the team on an empowered product team. You're not just a cat herder. In fact, normally we have a separate person that is that cat herder project manager. I like to use the Spotify term delivery managers for that. But um, that, you know, you have a real contribution in a an empowered product team. The product manager is a maker. They're responsible for the value and the viability of the solution. So that's what they're signing up for. And for most product people, and I was definitely in this boat, it takes several months to do the learning before you can actually contribute to a product team.
0: So if we just take that back to the the vision and the strategy topic that we started with if we imagine just starting a new role in a new company as a product leader so I am responsible for the vision and the strategy what is the thing that I should do or what's your kind of like top tip for coming up with or developing a really inspiring vision and a really solid strategy well, the 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 assumption here is that this is a product
2: leader that's been there, done that at a product company, so they, they know what they're yeah. doing. As you know, because a lot of product leaders, it's their first time. They're they're they've never done this before. Because uh, in that case, that's when I recommend. In fact, Randy knows this because that's why we held the session in London was to find more people we can recommend in those situations. So now I have a nice list of people that I can say, all right, you've never done this before. I'm going to let me introduce you to somebody who has, and they can help you through it this first time. So that's a big deal because, and I mean, been there, done that. I mean, at a real product company, not a feature team company. So that's the prerequisite. Otherwise, how in the it's the blind leading the blind otherwise, right? So, but let's assume they either have, you know, somebody like Randy to help them or they have, um, they've done it before. So now they know that, of course, their first obligation is coaching their people and their people know how to do their jobs, but they're also responsible for this vision and strategy. So there are, I mean, in the book Empowered, I describe the methods that I encourage teams to use to create those product visions. There's also a bunch of firms now that have vision sprints, where in one week, you know, you get everybody together and you come out, you know, you come into it with the business strategy. You know, you asked about that before. That's one of the main inputs. And then you come out with a product vision. And um, anyway, there's some big choices to make. Obviously, you want to – the real nuance is actually it's not so difficult in terms of creating the product vision. But you need to you need to realize that the CEO – needs to feel real ownership of that product vision. The challenge is that they rarely know how to create those product visions. So the art is to create it such uh, and include the CEO such that at the end of that process, the end of that week, the CEO feels like this is our product vision or it's his or her product vision. Because remember, the CEO is going to be showing it probably more than anybody else to investors, to prospective customers, to prospective employees. They, sh- they they This is huge for them. So it's important that the CEO feels real sense of ownership of it, even if they had weren't the ones that came up with it. And that's sort of the nuance there. This is why, I mean, there's so many topics here, but this is why it's really important that if your CEO has a big ego, and I will just say most of them do, then the the head of product needs to be sensitive to that so that you don't get this thing going on with the – you know, especially when it's
1: two males, it doesn't usually go well. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times either friends of mine or people I've coached have come to me frustrated and saying this thing I've been pushing for months and months, my stakeholder, my boss, my CEO, whoever it is, just came back and – told me they had this great idea, and it's what I've been telling them for months. And I keep saying, you've won. You've successfully made it their idea. That's that's a massive win.
2: It is a massive win. But,
1: you know, in it
2: ego gets in the way of realizing it's a win. So it's a, yeah, it's a hard It's job. hard job. <laughs>
0: OK, OK, stop right there. It's time for a short two-week interlude. What?
1: Two weeks? That's, that's not fair. I was enjoying that.
0: I know, I know. I'm really sorry, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> We're saving the rest for a part two because if you remember, Randy, we had a load more questions for the Godfather of Product and it wouldn't fit into one episode.
1: Okay, yeah, fair enough. And we've got Thanksgiving coming up, so we're going to treat you with the return of one of our favorite episodes next week. And we'll come back with Marty for part two on the 30th of November. We'll see you
0: soon. See you then. The Product Experience is the first
1: and the best
0: podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith.
1: And me, Randy Silver.
0: Luron Pratt is our producer and Luke Smith is our editor.
1: Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band PAU. That's P-A-U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank. Regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide.
0: If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank.